HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Well, hello. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. And this is our 346th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is one of the world's most famous chefs, and we are on location at his spectacular culinary destination in Lower Manhattan. And I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we'll have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to aim for the epic. Yes, forget the ordinary, and instead, always strive for greatness and to create the ultimate, most memorable, and unforgettable experiences that will leave a lasting impression. Seek to make a mark in history, whether it's through work or personal interests, knowing that anything is possible. With sincere goals and intentions, we have the ability to be larger than life and live our dreams, which of course would be epic. That's my tip today. Okay, I'm so thrilled to be on location today. I always love my on-location shows. And today I'm with Chef Jean-Georges Van Garishten at the Tin Building by John George, a sprawling culinary destination in Lower Manhattan's historic seaport. Jean-Georges is one of the world's most famous chefs whose skills extend far beyond the kitchen. A savvy businessman and restaurateur, he is responsible for the operation and success of 60 restaurants worldwide, including his flagship Jean-Georges in New York City, which has two Michelin stars and four stars from the New York Times. Jean-Georges is involved in every aspect of his restaurants, the concept, menu, architectural design, staff selection and trainings, in an ongoing effort to create restaurants that are both timely and enduring. He has also published several award-winning cookbooks and has made numerous TV appearances, too many to name, and I could go on and on and on, but let's get to talking. So hi, John George. Hello, Welcome. good morning. Thank you. Oh. 
Thank you. Visiting us, yeah. I am thrilled to be here. Your this space, this tin building space is just really spectacular. I feel almost it's hard to put it into words, but we're going to try. <laughs> <laughs> I know you try you started with an epic dream. So this is an epic dream for me in a way. You yeah. know, I I'm so glad and this is an this whole experience for me is epic and I the epic thing um one of the reasons I thought that would be a good tip uh was because when I came to your party here the word that came to mind to the opening party was epic like I've 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 been to several <laughs> openings but there was nothing like it and this whole experience so yes I was I thinking do. of you when I I wrote that tip <laughs> yeah, it was, an, it was a wonderful uh, opening party for sure. Yes. End of September. I mean, we opened in uh, end of July. Right. Um, it took us about two months to really get it going. You know, finding the, the people and, you know, get the whole building in motion. You know, we started with two days and three days, four days, five days, and then uh, to the opening, which was um, the 28th of uh, September. So that's where you came to visit us. Yes, yes, and um, I've been back. I've, I've. We'll get. I mean, <laughs> there's so many. There's so many um, aspects and dining options here, and we'll we'll dive more into it a bit. It, let's in into the show. I always like to start with my guests and find out a little about their background and how they got into the culinary industry and becoming a chef. So you grew up in France. I grew up in France. Um, I mean, I started in the business, believe it or not, but 50 years ago. I started in July 1973. So I've been in the business now for 50 years in Alsace. So I come from a family who are in the coal business. Nobody's in the restaurant business in my family okay. except me. But, you know, we grew up uh, with my mom and my grandmother cooking. Sounds like a cliche, but uh, they were cooking for, for the family. It was a time where people were living still... Uh, three generations under one roof. So we had a, between people working there, the family, uh, the grandparents, the kids, everybody was probably 40 people that we had to feed for lunch on about 25 for dinner. So it was like a mini restaurant at home. So I guess I, I got into it because it was like, a, you know, very simple dishes, you know, it was a part yeah. of the middle of the table, but it was for so many people that lunch and dinner, that I, felt, I always felt there was a, are people living like this? Uh, 40 for lunch, 25 for dinner. It was a mini restaurant. Wow. So then, <laughs> that, uh, wasn't, that wasn't the same as my childhood. So, <laughs> no, no. so I was, uh, was surrounded with uh, a lot of people and um, lots of food on the table, lots of, uh, you know, lunch was very precise. 12.30 for lunch, 7.30 at night. So I learned, um, you know, if you're not on time, you have nothing to eat. So there <laughs> were so many people, you know, jumping into the pot. And then I started an apprenticeship. I really wanted to, to do this as a career. When I started, I was very lucky to start in a three mission star restaurant, Le de Lille, in Alsace. When I, did, I did a three years, so I started at 16. I did a three-year apprenticeship. Uh -huh. And then um, I went to Paul Bocuse for one year. I went to the South of France, to Louis Uthier for a couple of years. So I want to learn about olive oil, olives. Uh, you know, every region of France is very, uh, very distinct in the food. Right. And then I decided to, I was always fascinated in Alsace. We use a lot of spices for the cookies, you know, black pepper to uh, star anise, cinnamon, cardamom. And uh, it didn't grow there. So I was always fascinated by the, you know, by the spices and things. So in uh, 
1980, I started cooking at 73, a chef sent me to Bangkok, Thailand, to cook his food at the Oriental in Bangkok. And that was a life changer for me. Yeah. You know, it was a whole new adventure. Well, and all, I assume, different, different style of cooking, different ingredients. I mean, it was a total culture shock for me, yeah. coming from uh, Alsace, South of France, Lyon, mm-hmm. and going to uh, Bangkok in 1980 was, uh, you know, everybody, everything was different. The, the religion, the people, the, you know, seeing uh, fresh ginger for the first time, lemongrass, uh, chilies, coconut mm-hmm. milk. I, the only herb I know was a basil and parsley, so coriander and all those different herbs were like an yeah. eye-opener for me. And you stayed a bit, you moved around Asia a bit before coming to the U.S.? That's correct. I spent two years in Bangkok. Then I did an opening in Singapore, always for the same chef, then Hong Kong. Then I went to Japan, Osaka. And that's why after, after five years in Asia, when I arrived in New York, the only place I was comfortable, I arrived in New York in 1986, was the fish market right here uh-huh. on Chinatown. You know, because at Union Square, where there was very little vegetables, very little... Uh, Things growing at the time, everything came from Europe, from California, Florida, but nothing was growing locally at the time, besides potato and apple. Right. So the places where they had the most vegetables was Chinatown. You remind me of uh, my five years in Asia. So between coming to the market here, the fish market, which was the tin building at the time, on, on Chinatown picking up my vegetables, I was happy in New York. <laughs> yeah, so when... When did you know you wanted to open your own place? So then, uh, so I arrived, I was, co- I was cooking in New York uh, in 86 at the Drake Hotel, 56 on Park. It was a restaurant called Lafayette. So I was there for five years. And basically that's where I made my name, you know. I got, after two years of the opening in 88, we, we got four star in the New York Times. From, uh, Brian Miller at the time. It's wonderful. Yes, I remember him. And then the next day, CNN was in the kitchen. I was like, oh, my God, what is this? The the power of press. (laughs) power of press. (laughs) I was 29 years old and um, never stopped. So I stayed another three years at the same location. And um, in 91, I decided there was a big big crisis, you know, the Wall Street crash. And I decided to, I want to learn the other side now. Because being a chef and being a restaurateur, it's really two different jobs. Yes. I know. So I really wanted to open my own place. That was my, my dream. And I opened Jojo. I found Jojo in the Upper East Side. Small brownstone. Still exists. Yeah, I've, I remember going. Yeah. I moved to New York in 1998, but I remember going closer to then. And I've been back since, but I'm due. I'm due for another you visit. You have to come back. Yes. You have to come back. So, so Jojo was my first really place that I not only cook at, but I was really running the business. Um, I want to really learn the you know, into a small, a small little place. I call it a double-legged bus, bus. You know, it's a very small, narrow place. And uh, it was wonderful. But after six months, I said, okay, this is my restaurant for the rest of my life. I'm going to stay there forever. <laughs> and after six months, I was like, oh, my God, I can't stay here forever. I have too many ideas. I have too many things going on in my head. And uh, on, I did more things. You're like, one day I'm going to have 60 concepts. I, no, at the time, I didn't know. I didn't know. But it was very, um, I found my partner, Phil Suarez, who uh, believed in me. And uh, he, you know, uh, I left school at 16, so I had no business background at all. So one day he said, if you want to come, if you want to open your own restaurant, I would love to invest. Let me know. 
I called him up and it was uh, early 91. I said, I'm ready, I find a place. He said, okay, let's meet for lunch. We give me a business plan. I did a little chicken scratch on a piece of paper. 35 lunches at uh, $40, 60 dinner at uh, 65. When I give it to him, I say, he said, you must be kidding. What is this? That's my business plan. <laughs> on, um, on he, he believed in me, on, uh, financed me, on, uh, I paid him back in six months, my first restaurant. It was a bankruptcy, the, the restaurant, so I took it over, little painting, get some new chairs, change a couple uh, plates on silverware, and uh, I get it open pretty fast and pretty quick. Yeah, so. apparently you still do. I never <laughs> you stop. Haven't, you haven't stopped. I never stop. You're, you're one of these chefs who I feel you're, you're everywhere all the time and you're always on and you, I don't know how you do it. I'm sort of like, and you're traveling around the world and you're just, it's, it's so impressive. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> it's so you know, impressive. It's, a, it's, a, it's a very simple, um, I always say to my chef in the kitchen, when we open a restaurant, it's easier to open a new restaurant than change the menu. Because, you know, people are creative of habits. I'm sure you go to some places for the same items. Yeah. Uh, on the, the day the items are not on the menu anymore, it's, oh, the place is going down, it's not as good. So it's important to you when you create a, a restaurant that you keep a good part of the menu, probably 50% of the menu the same, because people come back for it. Yeah, people know dishes, even like, uh, I think of like your, your tuna tartare up at uh, Georgia yeah, exactly. and, yeah. and I, the I chocolate cake. Exactly. And yeah, there, th there are certain items that, that people certainly so would I decided come to, create to you the, for. Oh, you're absolutely right. I uh, decided to create more new restaurants, different restaurants, yeah. uh, which is easier. And, uh, it's easier. New York. No, New York. I'm no, I get what you're saying, but New Yorkers like, are very. Uh, you know, it's not the easiest business. No, 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 no I don't see what's yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, I think you're making it, and 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 you, you've, you've, you have a, you figured out a, I guess, a formula. Even though all of your restaurants, I mean, you don't really some some chefs or restaurateurs create the same like one concept and then repeat it and yep, yep. do very well with that, but. As you mentioned, you have tons of ideas, so you keep, you do a lot of different things. Even though there's a, I guess you're maybe you want to talk a little about your overall like style of cooking that that goes that spreads throughout all your concepts, but they're all like original concepts. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you when I take New York, for example, I try to be in touch with my zip code. I'm cooking for the zip code as yeah, we're in that's because, smart. You know the. the I mean, Jojo, it's very important to, uh, to be a neighborhood place, uh, restaurant, for example. Upper East Side, you know, people live around there, so many people, and not too many people cook, so they go out every day. So it was important to create something that's familiar. A bit different, no? You have to always be a bit different. Yeah. But let people come back for it. You have to create cravings that make people come back to, do, to a place. And even if I remember just the flowers on the table or... A painting, or if it's not the food, but just if you wake up the next morning and you remember your meal the night before, or your experience, you win people over. They come back always. Yes, well, you've won <laughs> you've won many people over, and you continue to. That's right. Yeah, no, and I mean, I mean it. I mean, I'm a I'm a huge huge fan of of, and I've been to several 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 or a lot of your restaurants. I'm going to talk later about a special experience I had um, overseas. But let's talk about the tin building here, where we are, because 
I came to this epic party, and as I mentioned before the show, the room we're in, the private dining room, uh, the studio, the podcast room, the dessert room, which it was at your party, it's, um, uh, this space is really spectacular. So what, I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned when you first moved to New York of, of your coming down here and your relationship, but what led you to want to, want to create this new I tin mean, building? You know, my first time I came here was in, when I arrived in New York in 86. It's probably the next day. I flew in from Boston. I was in Boston for a year. And then I arrived in New York, my dream, of, of course. And then uh, I came to the fish market the next day. And it was like wild. It was the same actual building, but just pushed back 50 foot and lifted six foot because of the flood zone. But um, so I came here the first time, so I fell in love with the place. You know, I came one morning at... Five o'clock on the five thirty, the sun sun was coming up you know, next to the Brooklyn Bridge, and the, the the fish were coming from everywhere, from the all over the East Coast, from Virginia all the way up to to Maine, and it was like fascinated by the, the halibut, uh, this fish I never saw before, you know. That I mean, the dorsal is the same ocean, but it's on the other side in Europe, the turbo as well. So they have totally different fish I never heard of, black sea bass. Uh, you know, all this kind of uh, Hollywood, which we, we don't have in Europe. On mm-hmm. um, So I was fascinated by the market. And then about 10 years ago, somebody approached me about this project, you know, yes. on the seaport. And I, uh, I said, the fish market? Absolutely. I love the, that place. And so I started as a consultant, you know, as a bringing uh, design into kitchens, help them to, uh, because it took about five years to move the building. Yeah, I would really imagine like, it's yeah. hard to move a building. It was. <laughs> so the frame of the building is uh, from 1920. The platform, they had to change the platform. They were uh-huh. sitting on a 400 wooden pile. So we had to send diver on the water to cut the, cut the pile. Move the building back about 45 or 46 uh, feet. Planted 200 new concrete pile, a new platform on the old building with the old cast iron uh, columns. Back, uh, back together. So yeah, easy peasy. Easy, but <laughs> then we, you know, we we design inside, and the idea was really to keep the market, keep the fish market, keep the the feeling of the market. But you know, every market usually at night time they, they close. You know, if you go to any food hall uh, after seven o'clock, there's nothing going on. Yeah. So I really wanted to help them to create something that's open late night, like La Bocaria in Spain or somewhere. Uh, you know, that open late. So we had to decide. We did 15,000, all of the 53,000 square feet, we did 15,000 retail, and the rest are all restaurants. So we have six sit-down restaurants, six counter, couple bars on the retail. So the retail is a small part of the... So now at nighttime, at 8 o'clock, all the restaurants are full because nobody shops for food anymore. Uh, we just we have a couple of voyeurs, food voyeurs, I call them. <laughs> um, but the restaurants are full, so it gives a, you have an energy until 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. And that was uh, the objective to really uh, to really uh, create those multiple restaurants, multiple, like a, a New York center of restaurants, you know? So yeah. Chinese restaurant, Japanese, Italian, taco. Uh, you have everything. It's a, a, a one-stop so. shop. You could just, I, I, I just... I don't know, maybe you do have a, a, a room here in your bed and, you know, you could just sleep here, but you could, you could just live here. We could all live here. I mean, because you're covering all bases and it's all top quality, amazing, amazing food. 
Yeah, we also bring something totally different, you know. So we have two floors of retail and restaurants. On the third floor is uh, all the kitchens, so the food arrives, you know. Yeah. We try to do, we probably use 95% of our organic products. Everything is very manicured and curated with small uh, fishermen, small, uh, you know, farmers, vegetables, mostly from upstate. So we, we really try to yeah. be a local, but worldly. I mean, if you look at all the spices, all, all the things we have, or Asian mercantile, or we have so many things, so many products. No, you really do, and it's gorgeous walking through. And since we're here now in the morning, and you have the cafe and Breakfast. the it's a, a the du double double yolk double yolk, which uh, does. Uh, so we have a little bakery, the tea cafe, double yolk, who sells eggs sandwiches in the morning. Yeah. So we have the breakfast starting at eight, and then at ten o'clock the retail open up, and then the restaurant around noon, all the way up to ten thirty at night. So. It's yeah. an all-day affair, you know. People come and go, and I'm yes, I'm so due to try. I have so many concepts to try. I did, I did have a lunch brunch at uh, Tea Brasserie, and I had that amazing burger of yours on the in the brioche. The one with the the puff pastry. Yes, yes. puff pastry, um, fantastic. Thank and you. yeah, no, you're, I, you're everything you're doing in your food is so so wonderful and. I mean, how are you managing all of this? How many employees do you have here? <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the, the team building employee almost 700, 700 people. Yeah. Open seven days. So we, uh, we have a good staff. That was the difficult part in the beginning, you know, uh, after the pandemic, uh, opening, opening um, last July, end of July, was uh, we had 120 people when we opened the door. So we could only open two days. And then a couple of weeks after, three and four, and now we're seven days a week. So... We almost fully staffed. Yeah, well, and, uh, it's been great. It's been well received. You know. Yes. It's amazing. Yes, I, I was. Everyone I met, I, I mentioned I was at an event last night, and I told a few friends I was coming here and can chat with you. And everyone's like, "Oh, I love, I love the um, the seafood spot downstairs." Or I like everyone was telling me their favorite place that they yeah. love and and just raving. So it's on, very the, well received. Thank you. No. I mean, the best part is like you can really make a little tour. You can start with uh, at the oyster bar with a couple of oysters and uh, on the shrimp cocktail. Then you can move to the, you know, have a pizza. We have a wonderful lemon pizza. You can go have uh, some vegan food. We, we can go have a Chinese, a taco. So you can spend a couple hours here, two, three hours uh, eating your way around. And, uh, every day. Every, every day. <laughs> <laughs> so... And then and then go back uptown and and go to ABCV or go. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of options here, there's which is options. I, I feel options. I feel very lucky to have. Mm. Um, I have a I have a book coming out Wonderful. soon in the spring um, called Chef Wise, and it's with Fiden, and it's on life lessons from leading chefs around the world. And you are a contributing chef to my book. Thank you so much. <laughs> and so I am I am so honored to have you. Um, as a part of this book, that um, it's it's chef it's, it's chef advice from leading chefs everywhere, and um, I was looking I was looking at the book you know my little preview chap chapters of the book, um, and you are in many of art of the chapters actually. Thank you. And <laughs> one of the things that just Love you it. noted on no you mm -hmm. gave there's incredible 
you shared a lot shared a lot of great advice, but you talked about teamwork in the book, and and I'm thinking like you just mentioned, like I mean when I ask like how you how are you operating this this venue, but it's about a team. And it's all about people. Yeah. It's all about people. It's all about you know, on finding the right, uh, not just people, but as well writing people who are passionate. Yeah. Like me or, or you know who are really willing to to learn and do all kind of uh, all kind of things. But when the book comes out, we love to invite you here to talk about it. This, is, this is our studio here where we're going to have uh, guests, uh, mm. cookbook authors or authors of books. We can have a chef from out of town visiting. We can have them uh, do a demonstration here. On um, We have a little bar. So this, this place is really for discovering farmers, authors, chefs, and people who want to express themselves. I I have the biggest smile on my face. Thank you. I'm yeah, going to so take you up on that. I would love to do something with you, with the book, with with yeah. This space is is. I mean, it's it's it would be fantastic. When is the book coming out? So right now, my publishing date is March 29th. I've been told Amazing. it can move. I mean, you've done books, so you yes. probably know that. <laughs> it moves up a lot. Sometimes early, it might sometimes move around. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so we're looking probably April. We'll be we'll we'll fantastic. be doing more of a splash. We really and, love to have you. Yeah. Thank you. I would love to. I mean, it's been it's been a real passion project for me to work on and an honor to have chefs like yourself as a part of it. And people will have to get the book to hear all of your advice. Um, and and it's um, yeah, it's been it's I'm, I'm very excited. So um, thank you. Thank you. I mean, yeah, it's I get now. Now, now I get what it takes to do a book. And I mean, you've done. You've done several books. Yeah, there's about six books, good books. Yeah. So try to, you know, different stages of my life, you know. Would you First, do would you do another one? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to do something on a timberling or something on a you know. I could see that. It's it's, it's you know, <laughs> I mean I feel this is part of the timberling is really part of the, the city because it was built in nineteen twenty. Mm-hmm. So it's to be part of uh, the renovation, the resurrection of that uh, fish market. Because yeah. the fish market moved uh, twenty years ago to Hans Point yeah. in the Bronx. So it was important to save this building. So with Howard Hughes uh, as a partner, they really were able to pull it off. Yeah, well, congratulations. Uh, it's you. really, it's really amazing. And people need to come down here and visit and stay the whole day. Yeah. <laughs> we, have a little, we have actually a little gallery downstairs which shows uh, the old market and all the characters who worked, uh, yeah. who worked here before. So it's interesting to see. Yeah, it and is. actually, a couple of the the fish guys who worked at the market came by. Oh. Every week, we have somebody else coming in and say, "Oh, that's my picture. I worked here, you know, for sixty years, and etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. So, it's a part part of history of uh, the it really district is. on yes. uh, on New York started down here. Yeah, that's where it all started. No, it is. It's 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 yeah. amazing. So let me ask you my question for my last guest on episode 345. I had on Andrew Chasen. He's the co-founder of Fresh Management, which and he manages the careers of some of the world's most influential chefs and tastemakers, including Jose Andres, Kristen Kish, and Aron Sanchez. So first, he asked, he wanted to know, how do you stay so handsome for so long? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice question. But, okay, uh, next question. No, I had yeah. to, he asked, I have to, yeah. you know, I, this, I go I question to question, show to show. So. Passion, good food, I'll keep smiling. Yes. Okay. 
That's wonderful. You have this uh, presence and and you and energy, and you always look like I mean, you look you look fantastic. Like you're <laughs> always you're. So I I got where his question was coming from. <laughs> My mom's jeans. There you go. Good, good. Give mom credit. Okay, his second question is, you've been doing this for so long and are so accomplished, and he mentioned there's really not a bad word anywhere about you, and I would agree there's not. Um, When you go into a new project, what are the things that actually drive you to say yes or no to an opportunity with regards to restaurants? Um, And he noted also that you must get asked to do a lot of things. Yeah, with Tony, uh, that's a good question. But we, you know, we have to pick and choose. Yeah. Because you can do everything. I mean, you can do a lot. We have already 60 different places, but you can do everything, you know. So we have to be, I mean, usually uh, I visit the location if somebody approached me. Like we just opened a small hotel in Kyoto. I just came back from Kyoto. A nine-room hotel. Oh, wow. So it's the smallest. Uh, it's right in the middle of the, the Geisha, uh, old district of uh, Kyoto. And it's an old building on a, a friend of mine. We we already did, did some hotel in uh, at the Connaught in London. A good friend, uh, Paddy McKillen, Irish man. And he had this little, little parking lot. And he said, I'm building this the smallest hotel, like a Rio Can in Kyoto. Nine rooms, designed by uh, Ando, the most amazing Japanese uh, architect. And he said, I'm going to do the smallest restaurant, 16 seats. Would you like to be involved? How you can say, say no? I went to visit the site. How can you site. say no? You, you know, can't. I walked around. It's so spiritual. I was there last week. We did the, the opening. And, uh, so we opened a 55,000 square feet to um, the smallest restaurant we have, 16 seats in Kyoto. Just opened. So the food, you want to do our food, but uh, with uh, Japanese ingredients and Kyoto has the most amazing thing. So that's a project I would say yes in a second. And it's not about right. yeah. it's not about signing big contracts, big money. It's a sixteen seat restaurant. It's you know, it's just simple. Simple <laughs> on but important yeah, for me yeah, to do yeah. because you know, going to Japan three times a year or four times a year, I bring them twenty new recipes, but come back with uh, hundreds of ideas. So for me traveling is an inspiration. So to have a location like that in Kyoto, for me it's like it's priceless. Because I come back with yeah. so much uh, knowledge, so much learning, so much things. So a project like that, uh, of course, uh, I want it, I need it, I like it. On some other projects, you know, if it's too industrial, it's, uh, you know, I'm in a good position that uh, we can pick and choose a little bit. So it sounds sounds to be in a nice position, but, you know, there's only so much you can do in a year. So you have to be careful what you pick and what you choose. And I'm looking for longevity as well. I mean, Jojo opened in 91. So to make sure that whatever we, we create has long length, long long life. Jean Georges has been open for 25 years. I know ABC. Now we are we're starting our 12th year. So it's important for me to keep uh, to keep restaurants who have uh, yeah. legs or the restaurant that last forever and are timeless. Because oh. just to we could open a restaurant every week and close it the week after. That's not the the goal. Is to create something that is uh, stays. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, you have an incredible restaurant and it's so hard to run restaurants no, and you yeah. have an amazing track record and a long history of so many of your restaurants. And uh, I have to, with talking about Kyoto, 
I don't think you know this, but um, <laughs> I'm I'm good friends with Pichet Ong. Oh my God! And amazing um, guy. Yeah. And who who's who's worked with you for you for many years, um, and. Several years ago, I took a trip with him and some friends to Thailand, and we were in Bangkok. But then Pichet and I traveled around Japan together for about a week, and we went to Kyoto, and we went. We were in Tokyo, and we went to JG Tokyo. That small canton. Yeah, uh, in Roppongi. Uh, 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 Roppongi. Yeah. So. Um, That's a fourteen seat, even smaller. What? It's a canton. You're right. I mean, yeah. you, uh, you're right. I'm like, it's your place. <laughs> <laughs> I was there last week. So. Yeah. No, you know, we we were we were moving around. You know, Pichet. We were moving around, and we popped in there, and I met the, your chef at the time, Fumio. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yonezawa. Um, it was it was. Yone. Yone. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, Yone-san. Uh, but now I now talking about Kyoto, I'm like I'm dying to go back, and I want to go back to Japan in general. But I have, um, it's just so special to me that I have a little reference point to what you what you were doing over in, yeah, in Tokyo. Hong is uh, and, such a talented pastry chef on uh, on more than a pastry chef. He has so much ideas, so much passion, so much you know. On coming from Thailand, mm-hmm. you know, right there he's you know. I could relate to him because I, li- I lived there for two years. So, yeah, and and I travel a lot by myself. But being there with Pichet, he was—he, I let him, you know, make the, the plans <laughs> and be the tour guide because because he, yes. yeah, he knew way he more. Has no, about he has the knowledge for sure. Yeah, so yeah, so it's about you know finding places that uh, are important to you. You know, so we have a couple places in China, Shanghai, Guangzhou, in Tokyo, Kyoto, Singapore. So the strip when Ishama go there, you know, it was very hard during the pandemic, but since Ishama go there two, three times a year was always um, such an inspiration. So you come back to New York, you, you really, you know, you really uh, full of new flavors, new combinations, new, new things, you know. But for us, it's quite simple because uh, we run own our restaurants in New York. On our side of New York, we have partner. You know, I don't know how to run a restaurant in Shanghai or in Kyoto, so... You know, we help the design, we put a chef in place, and we, you know, we give our know-how. And it's important to have a relationship with the, the, the person on the other side, you know, to be able to... So we don't have the burden of, uh, you know, paying rent, staff, etc., etc. So really, yeah. you know, um, concentrate on the, what's on the plate, get the best ingredients, you know, and try to do the best we can. Well, you're doing it. You're doing it. You're an inspiration to me, to so many people. And yes, I love traveling and it does, yeah, if you get, I mean, ideas and it inspires. So, um, I take more pictures when I'm traveling and then I'm in New York because you, everything is like, ooh, ooh, wow. You know? Yeah. So, and then on top of it, you have all those different flavors, different, different tests. It's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Um, where's your next trip? My next trip is uh, more uh, local. I'm going to uh, to Miami for the Food and Wine Festival. Oh, nice! I usually I usually go. Um, yeah. Miami's my hometown. I've been to oh, a bunch of your places there. At, oh, at uh, Matador. The, yeah, the edition. Edition. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're going there. For, that's the next trip uh, to for the Food and Wine Festival. We do a couple of events on a dinner, uh, a brunch at uh, Matador. I'm organizing a, every year. I'm organizing a, a tennis competition. 
Ah, uh, I, play. Bong, I play. Sorry, oh, ping pong. Oh, ping pong. Oh, I've time. seen you. Yeah. I've seen. I've been to that party. <laughs> yes. You're you're a, a uh, really fantastic. It. It's a great party. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ping from pong. It gets intense. It gets crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to see chef having fun and uh, you know being competitive on a little, small little table, it's fun. Yeah. No, it's a really great party. Yeah. So um, this year we're doing it again. And hope uh, you join us. Yeah. I'm. I'm How's your ping pong? <laughs> um, it could use a little work. When you first said tennis, I'm like, I play no, tennis, sorry, but tennis, yeah, I need, you can give me, I'll take a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so uh, we'll take a little break and, um, and just, just because I have it in my notes and I don't want to forget to mention, I had on episode 121, which was back in October 2016, I did a show with your children. Luis and Cedric on the Food Dreams Foundation. And um, if anyone wants to go back and listen to that, I believe it's a really good show and I really enjoyed chatting with them and also seeing how their careers have, have blossomed even more since then. So, um, uh, so people can go back and uh, listen to that and we're gonna take a little break. Um, we'll come back, I have my speed round, talk some industry news, my solo dining experience and the final question. So stay with us, this is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This episode is supported by HRN business member Crew, a sophisticated Thai restaurant serving historic dishes inspired by Thailand's royalty and aristocracy in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Crew recreates and reimagines historic dishes from ancient recipes that are marked by their surprising openness to worldly ingredients. Visit krubrookly.com to learn more and make a reservation. Crew supports HRN's creative educational reporting and storytelling that drive conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Jean-Georges Vangerichsen, one of the world's most famous chefs, who is a savvy businessman and restaurateur, and we are on location at the Tin Building by John George. And this is the fun part of the game, or the fun part of the show, if it hasn't been fun already. Um, <laughs> It's my speed round game. So what this is, is I'm going to name a couple things and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. So right. you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, I think you're born ready. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant? Eat out. Indoor dining or alfresco dining? Alfresco. Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? Sake. Sake. <laughs> Woo! That might be a first. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. I, I love when people have, like, first and over... I mean, I've been playing this game over 300 times. So maybe that's yeah, a, it's sake. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Tasting menu or a la carte? I do the tasting. How about small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? You have both in your yeah, places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. I'll take the chef counter. Okay. I'm going for the expense. <laughs> yeah, I like the chef's counter. Okay, my tricky one is uh, tipping or all-inclusive charge? I do tipping. Tipping. 
how about a warm chocolate cake or carved pineapple dessert that I've seen prepared by your brother? <laughs> I go for my brother. I love my brother. Pineapple. Pineapple. I, I, I you know, I don't know. Then that one for me, I'm amazing. sure to stump that chocolate. I'm a chocolate person. Um, yeah. I do that before I go to sleep. I have a piece of chocolate after I, bought, after I bought, brush my teeth. I have chocolate every night. Really? Yeah. Sweet dreams for the rest of the day. That's fine. Nice. That's why you got a <laughs> smile on your face and yeah. yeah, what keeps you going. That's the secret. Yeah. There you go. That's it. Okay, a few more. Throwing parties or being invited to a party? I love throwing parties. Yeah, you're really good at it. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm an entertainer. You are. How about um, window or aisle? Just curious. Aisle. Aisle. Okay. Because you travel a lot. Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Or anywhere else in the, war, in the world? Manhattan. West Village. What's that? I'm sorry. West Village. Is my West home. Village. That's my town. <laughs> Which is a different of New York, you know. No, that's, um, I love that neighborhood. Yeah, um, excellent. That's the game. And going back to my sample, because I'm curious, chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Okay. Yeah, yeah you're not yeah. having vanilla before you go to sleep. <laughs> chocolate. Chocolate. All right, that's the game. All right, thank you. So um, for industry news, I just picked out an article and uh, uh, to talk about this crypto culinary club. So there's an article on cleveland.com that says Michael Simon is joining the crypto culinary venture. And I have not talked about crypto at all on this show up until today. And I just, I feel like it's not going away and it's something that I've seen in the news between there's the VCR group that's opening the Fly Fish Club um, that's uh, a members only private dining club where membership is purchased as an NFT. And this new crypto culinary club, it says it's a collection of 10,000 different chef-styled NFTs. And each piece is a one-of-one one collectible living on Ether, Ethereum blockchain. See, I don't really understand what any of this is. Your chef tokens doubles as your membership to the most exclusive dining club in the world. Over time, each collectible collectible will grant access to member-only benefits, events, and much more. And the chefs involved are, you. besides Michael Simon, you have Kristen Kish, Brooke Williamson, um, Jet Tilla, Alan Wong, Kat Cora. I mean, it's a really amazing list of chefs. So do you have any take on crypto clubs, or would you do something like this? Or I don't, I, I, I think it's, it's pretty fascinating. Uh, um... Exactly like you say, everything's <laughs> going away. Okay. So we have to be part of it. So we're, we're talking to different groups to uh, look at it, you know. Do you understand it more than I do? No. But, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's the future for sure, you know, and people are looking at things that people create on like a drawing or something. I have, a, I have an old drawing of dishes that people want to put on NFT. I say, this is my personal uh, little drawing because at the time I... Nobody was taking pictures of uh, food. So to, uh, when I did recipe development back in the 80s, I was like drawing all my, uh, my plates, you know. Artiste. So it was fun to, uh, to, to present it to, to the chef and everything. And somebody asked me to, wants to buy them to put an NFT. I said, this is personal belongings. I don't want to sell anything like this. But 
I don't think it's going away. I think people will love to be part of a membership something. And, you know, it's yeah. probably the future of, uh, of food. On soon, I mean, a lot of people are developing some apps now to uh, almost like Uber. You walk in a restaurant, you walk out, and uh, there's no money translation. It's just a, a charge, and you tip on the phone, and goodbye. Right, yeah. We, we're like six Tech. months away from that. So, yeah, I understand that more than I don't know. Yeah, the I, NFT, this, the crypto is a little more uh, yeah. complicated. Yeah. yeah, it's but it's it's um yeah as I said like it's um I haven't I haven't talked about it because I'm sort of like I don't really understand it and it, but it's not it's here as and it is yes and it it is does look like it's part of the, it is the future it's part of the future this this crypto culinary club um, the people behind it is. Iron Chef's Mark Dacascos and his, who serves the role as the chairman on Iron Chef Show, and and his um, his wife is a COO, and they're the people who are putting this together. And they, again, they have a really impressive list of chefs involved. And it's I think it was, uh, yeah, it said this Friday um, t- the membership goes on sale where people can join. So if anyone's I'm interested. Yeah, by the membership. I mean, I don't think I'm, I mean, I'm not a typical consumer customer, um, I don't think, for for this or for really a lot of maybe more consumer-driven uh, events where, because these, a lot of these chefs are people who have done TV and they're saying, like, now you get to try their food, like what you've seen on the TV screen. You can actually, you can actually it. go to an event that they're cooking at or, yeah, and enjoy it. So I get that, but... um yeah, I, I'm I'm the person that I travel around the world to try restaurants and go out because of just self like I go everywhere because I just I'm passionate about it. But this I think is a different. Um, it's I mean we'll see we'll see how it how it goes. I think I feel like it's gonna it's gonna be a hit. For sure, it's, I think the cyber thing is gonna be crazy. I mean look at look at ten years ago reservations. It's all online now. Mm-hmm. It's ninety eight percent online. Nobody pick up the phone anymore. Some Nobody, restaurants don't even have a phone, right? Some people don't even have a phone. On most of the household, don't even have a, a landline anymore. So yeah. uh, you know, it's all on the phone. So we're moving in different direction, and it's uh, it's probably for the better. Okay, so we'll I see. So. We'll so. see if we have the Jean George Crypto, crypto. Cr- Club. You heard it here first, <laughs> possibly. Stay tuned. We're talking about it. Let's see what happens. Yeah. No, I didn't. I mean, it's it's cool. I just. Um, Someone, yeah. I mean, maybe as it becomes more common, um, every it will be uh, easier to under, yeah, more familiar, like other That's things, which I guess is life. <laughs> so, I, know. I mean, what did we didn't? What like, did we do without a little box? Yeah, before? with the, or yeah, with, and we're posting everything on Instagram exactly, or what we do. Exactly. But yeah, growing like you opened your first restaurants without. Uh, it a was phone all uh, and email. It was all <laughs> word by mouth. Oh, yeah, now it's like a. If you don't have an Instagram, people you, don't know do, what to... Uh, do you really exist? Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, all right. So that's the industry news this week. Now, for my solo dining experience, I'm flashing back to 2019 when I was on a layover flying through Doha. And I went to Market by John George at the W Hotel, at the W at the W Doha Hotel and Residences in Doha, Qatar. So the concept is a contemporary European, contemporary European cuisine by John George um, concept 
the hotel as a home and extends to the restaurant as a casual family kitchen. And so the man sitting across from me is the chef. <laughs> and why did I go? Well, so I took a solo trip to Bali and I was on my way back to New York City and I had this layover in Doha. And it's like, when in Rome, you know, I was like, when else am I going to be here? So, so my experience, I, I figured out how to leave the airport. <laughs> I was a little, I was very, str- I was, I was tired and kind of stressed because I was already a 10 hour flight some, from, uh, Bali to, from Bali to Doha. Right. And then, so I, I got out of the airport and it was really hot. It was, it was over hundred degrees out. And I first tried to go to the Museum of Islamic Art. Amazing. Amazing. It was closed because it was Ramadan. <laughs> so I then was like, okay, plan B. Well, what do I do when I travel? I go to restaurants. So I went to the W Hotel and I went in there and I, and it was like around 4.30. It was a little off hour, but the team was so welcoming. And I just remember being, I was tired. I was hungry. Um, and they just invited me in and kind of led me through the menu. And so what did I get? I got the steamed shrimp salad with avocado Ooh. and mushroom market vinaigrette. And I also got crispy calamari with salsa verde. It was recommended by my server. And it was fantastic. And I felt, I just felt so, it's like the hospitality at home. At home. <laughs> I really did. Because I was, I've, I mean, I was, as I said, I was just kind of on this, uh, I was jet lagged already. And I was like halfway between, I wasn't even close to, you know, it was the middle of the, the journey. Um, so it was really special and it was wonderful. I mean, it was gorgeous salad and the shrimp. Uh, or I mean, the calamari were crispy and perfect. And um, thank you. I have this. I have this incredible memory of doing that. And I remember I then went upstairs, or and I saw what you got the spice market spice up market, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I kind of gave myself a little tour. Um, gorgeous. We opened this, those two restaurants about fifteen years ago. That's yeah. That I mean, like it says so much. Like yeah. that. You maintain these restaurants at this high level, and tourists like me can just pop in <laughs> and have this familiar experience. That's but not like the menu was not like any of your other restaurants that oh, I've been to. A couple items, but uh, not uh, you know. Yeah. Great! I'm so glad you stopped by. I did. It was it was it was really it was really fantastic. And it's my interesting tidbit: um, this restaurant's been named best European uh, by Cutter by Time Out and the FACT Awards. Uh, Personal fun fact. So after this, of course, because I'm still in time, uh, and I talked about this on a a previous episode, on episode 217, I went to uh, Nobu, Doha, at the Four Seasons. And that was cool because their, they, you know, their signature dishes and it was the yellowtail and there was, yeah, the familiar and, um, so I did those two spots, and then that I went. That building is spectacular. It really is. It's like a zone, a little island. Uh, yeah. At first, I went to like the main building, and then they drove me to the, to the yeah. yeah. To, to it's the peninsula all the way to the to Nobu. Yeah. It's spectacular. And you have a view looking back at the city. It's amazing. It was really cool, and then I went to the the market. I went to the Sukhwakif, if I'm pronouncing Suk, that right. Yeah. 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 And I walked around, and then I went back to the airport, and I flew home. 
Wow, that was a nice trip. <laughs> nice trip. Yeah, it was really special. And um, the cost of the meal, I think it was about $50 U.S. Um, would I go back? Yes. And I believe I have a trip coming up that I'm going to have a layover in Doha. So now I'm, I don't know if I have enough time, but since I've done it before, I think I may be able to like leave because I mean, I'd rather yeah, explore a, more. The airport is uh, it's about the same, but it's easy to go in and out of the airport. Pretty fast. Yeah. And the city is so close from uh Yeah, it was. Airport, it so. was and it was I mean, my first time doing it and I was by myself and it was, you know, intimidating, but now I'm like, oh, I know my way around. Amazing. <laughs> well, the museum for my MP is so amazing. I should I should look and see fine. if it's open. I hope yeah, that would be my plan. I would probably yeah, go yeah. to the museum and then maybe back to your place, maybe to Spice Market. Absolutely. Uh-huh. You should. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, no, if people want to check it out, uh, their website's marketdoha.com and on Instagram at marketdoha. Okay, so it's time for the final question. So my next guest is chef and owner Selassie Atadika of Maduna. And Maduna is a nomadic dining concept in Ghana, Africa. And it features what she calls new African cuisine. She's also known for her artisanal handcrafted chocolates uh, using Ghanaian cocoa and featuring the flavors and essences of Africa. So, John George, can you please ask a question for Slacy? It sounds amazing. Uh, the chocolate is obviously local. Yeah, she's, she's, she's known for her chocolate. Amazing, amazing. But she's cooking Nordic food or African food or both? She's doing, she calls it New African. It's African cuisine. I was recently at the Worlds of Flavor conference in Napa, and um, the whole theme there was Africa and the world, and she was there. And um, I've met her, actually I met her at the MAD conference many years ago. So, but she she's doing, it's, it's African cuisine uh-huh. and chocolates. So my question is, I mean, I know North African food, like uh, Moroccan and Nigerian and Tunisian, but I don't know the meal of Africa. So I don't, my question is, is the food has spices and is it spicy? Just want to know. Okay, I'll find out. <laughs> I want to know. So you don't have a restaurant yet in Africa? No, 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 yes, not yet. W- would you? You would, you would, yeah, possibly. I'm like, that's a Who silly knows? question. No, no, maybe, maybe one day, but I trust... Uh, that restaurant sounds very uh, amazing using local product, but I just want to know if it's, uh, do you use spices? Is it spicy? Is it, uh, yeah. you know, because I don't, I don't know much about that cuisine yet. Yeah, it's me either. <laughs> and um, I will ask, yeah, I feel there's there's movement or like it's it's kind of, there's a lot, I think we're going to start seeing more of African cuisine um, here and elsewhere. It's like Totally. Uh, I feel it's like a unknown a little bit. Uh-huh. You know, besides North Africa, I think the middle of the of the Africa is not known as the, the cuisine. On, I'd like to try it. Let me know when I can come to test it with you. <laughs> I will let you know if I get yeah. some samples. I yeah. know, I know where to go. I live, I live very close. I live by Columbus Circle, so I'm I'm your neighbor um, uptown. <laughs> Let's do a trip. I'm always great. I'm always ready for an adventure. Okay, I'm down for that too. I know. I mean, I love to travel, and I haven't been to Africa, so it's um, it's on the list. Fantastic. It's on the list. And thank you so much. That's the show. You are incredible. I am honored to have you on my show and just have this hour to talk to you. It's like really, really very special to me. And 
congratulations on Thank everything. Thank you for having me. On. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank and you. I can't wait to try all of your concepts here <laughs> and everything else you're doing. Um, so, so amazing. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. So my guest today has been Jean-Georges van Richten, one of the world's most famous chefs. And you can find out more all about him in the Tin Building at jean-georges.com and at tinbuilding.com. And you can follow him at Chef JGV and at Tin Building. And you can follow me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry and my websites are bayerpublicrelations.com, sherrybayer.com and allintheindustry.com. All of our shows are archived at heritageradionetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And you can check out my new book coming out, Chef Wise, Life Lessons from Leading Chefs Around the World. It's by Fiden. It's coming out this spring, and John George is in the book. And it's available for pre-order at Fiden.com or Amazon.com or pretty much anywhere you can get a book. And you can search for uh, the word Chef Wise um, on these sites. Thanks to my engineer today, Armin. Thanks again to John George. Thanks to Jiwan Park and Alex. And thanks also to Georgina Salter, who's been my, my go-to with, uh, with the ChefWise book. So thank you all. Appreciate all of you. I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bayer. I will be back next week with a new show. Hope you'll tune in then. And thank you, as always, for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. <laughs>